Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today we'll be discussing overcoming the first of the seven blunders of Freemasonry, ritual without meaning. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. I'm Matthew Apple, and I am a Freemason down here in Washington, along with very worshipful brother David Colbeth. And our, we are joined by our usual third host, worshipful brother Stephen Chung from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon. And our special guest uh, for the first in our series of discussing the overcoming the seven blunders, we have most worshipful brother Jim Mendoza, who's a past Grand Master of Free and Accepted Masons in Washington. And uh, for those of you who, if you're joining our show now, uh, and already in progress, the if you look, go back to the last episode, um, Most Worship Brother Jim did a presentation on the seven blunders of masonry, which I heard, which I certainly encourage you to listen to. Um, but uh, I guess, sort of, Jim, if you give us a quick overview of, uh, of ritual without meaning, and we'll sort of discuss from there, please. Well, you know, as I mentioned in the um, in, in the presentation, too many times we're more concerned about being word perfect, okay, without necessarily understanding what we're saying in other words we're parrots in, 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 instead of presenters and I, I i find that wrong because a lot of times i will be I'll, I'll go to a meeting and i know that somebody's word perfect because that's that's what they strive for but they bore me and as a result there's no lesson being learned uh i I will, you know, I go to a, I go to a lot of degrees. I get to perform in a lot of degrees, and I like listening to other ritualists. I like hearing what they say and how they say it, uh, because I want to learn something. That's one of the reasons I come to a lodge meeting because I'm learn something. But if you're just, you know, being, you know, you know, one to two to three to four to five, then guess what? I'm I'm bored. I'm I'm out. Uh, and again, the length of the piece to me is irrelevant. It's for me, it's, it's the quality of the piece. And I also mentioned earlier that one of the things that you can do is you can inspire people with this. Uh, I told the Dan Boren story. I mean, I just can't imagine somebody being so enamored with a, with, 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 with a lecture that they go home and learn their posting lecture and the lecture and then come back and return it. That's incredible. Yeah, but to me that now, now now some people don't know the phrase posting lecture. And mm-hmm. enlighten the listeners to what that is. Well, for the you know, that's what we call it in my lodge, the posting lecture. Uh other uh, other people call it the uh, other people call it the long form obligation. Uh, uh or approve up where or approve up, yes. Up. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what they do. But just just imagine, you know, somebody you know doing that full posting lecture and then saying, Oh, by the way, I know the lecture of the degree too. So, so at uh, 12 point font that uh, prove up in the work that's done in our lodge is eight pages. That's about right. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so for somebody to learn that and this extra lecture, uh, that would be incredible. 
And again, it's all because that person was so that person was inspired by that. I got inspired to learn the lectures because, you know, I was I got to listen to guys like Alden Sarmiento, uh, who knows all the lectures. Uh, I got to listen to guys like Al Mungin, who I, I think in the in the previous presentation, I noted that he, he, he presents as, as if he's a Baptist minister who gets lost in his sermon, mm -hmm. uh, which, again, that's. It, it, it is amazing to, to, to watch what he does. And he also, he also gets very animated. Uh, David, who's seen me do a middle chamber <clears> lecture, <throat> notes that uh, I can get very animated in the lecture. And a lot of that is an homage to, 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 to Al. Actually, the way I do a certain phrase, is, it's spoken the same way Al speaks it. Because that's my, that's my way of saying thank you to him. For That's my way of saying thank you to him for inspiring me. Uh, and it's my hope that, you know, yeah, I've got a, I, that I've got a Dan Bourne in my hip pocket who basically I inspired. I, th I, th I think, I think to me that, I think to me that that's, that's, that's the greatest reward, uh, from that, that somebody was listening and they internalized it and they said, okay, I think this is a lesson that I want to impart. Talk about impassioned presentations. If you remember Horace Schwinn. Mm-hmm. A little, uh, what was he about five foot nothing? And it was kind of the Clark Kent transformation. He was this mild mannered, <laughs> uh, conservative man. And when he would open up on the middle chamber lecture, he'd love to do the second degree middle chamber lecture and talk about a Baptist minister. He was just explosive, if you will. It was really incredible to watch him and to hear him. And I was fortunate, he was my middle chamber presentation as well. Just incredible. Yeah, so yeah, to, 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 ha to have that happen is 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 really cool. Uh, obligations can be uh, you know can be pretty dry, but sometimes what happens is is that um, really Obligate. cool moments can be created, like when a father obligates his son, or a mm -hmm. brother, blood brother obligates his fellow brother, or one of my personal favorites. Uh, Jerry Lingle, one of the last things he did before he passed, he came to my lodge and and conferred uh, conferred a degree upon a fellow police officer. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was that was kind of neat uh, to be to be able to 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 be able to see that to, to be able to see that dynamic, and you could see that uh, that he wanted to leave an impression. Yeah, and I see that with the best ritualists that they want to leave an impression that they're just not going to go through the words. I always tell people, give me somebody who will make a couple mistakes along the way, but who'll leave me, you know, impassioned versus somebody who's word perfect and leave me bored. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the former every time. You know, um, it, it's kind of cool. Our mentorship program, the way that they, that they coach the candidates uh, on doing their prove ups um, you can really, and we've had comments from, from guys sitting on the sidelines, you can really see that that candidate doing his prove up understood everything he said, and you could hear it in his, in his, uh, voice. You could hear it in the tones. Um, and you can, in, in just the, the way he phrased things, you could tell that he understood what he was saying, not that he was just repeating it. And, and I got to attribute that to the mentorship program that came out in 2012. Um, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, we did the first couple of years working on the six-step program. Didn't know the other part existed, right, <laughs> for a while. But that, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, it, it's totally um, brought up everything that I uh, was ever trying to deliver in ritual. Um, I, I was lucky. I was in Demolay when I was uh, a youth, and I had some really good examples of good ritualists um, and how to deliver something so that you captivated your audience and um, had them totally, like you say, on the edge of their seats for to listen to what you're saying. And, and really the, the best reward ever is having somebody come up and say, you know, I've been listening to that lecture for 20 something years or 40 years in this lodge. You know, I actually got what you were saying. I, that was pretty cool. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I totally uh, get behind the coaching and, and, the, and the teaching of how to do good ritual. And I really think it's cool that I, I, I too have one of those homages uh, where I, I say in the seventh degree lecture, you know, a, a certain in a certain way with a certain tonality, uh, because my mentor taught me that it was so important in his uh, delivery that he say it this way. And I had to learn that. And he wasn't letting me do this presentation until I could deliver it just the way he did. Right. So for three years, we practiced in a compressor room at an IGA right, until I got good enough for him to let me do this uh, uh, presentation. And so I, I, every, I've worked really hard at keeping that piece just the way he asked it to be, right? But I've also worked on the rest of it, slowing it down in my cadence and delivery so that I can, I can really connect with the people I'm talking to. No, that's, I have a similar story. Um, I was going to be deputy of the Grand Master, getting ready to do that, right? And we had visited, my lodge had visited another another lodge. And it was time for the closing charge, right? And whoever was delivering the, delivering the closing charge that night was just botching at 10 ways to Sunday. <laughs> well, Jeff Brunson was across the square from me and staring daggers at me. I'm going, what did I do? I'm just standing here like everybody else. What's What's going on? He's waiting for you to pick it up. Well, no, because, you know, that's not that's not how I roll. Mm. So in any event, everything's done. Everything's closed, everything. Jeff makes a direct beeline toward me. I'm going, what did I do? <laughs> he goes, if you, and, he, and he's pointing at me. If you ever do a charge like that, there is no place that you can hide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Okay, <laughs> so, so, so there's a, so I get that, you know, you, you, your, your mentors want you to do good. Sometimes they'll, in, they'll quote unquote, inspire you <laughs> yep. in a forceful manner, but uh, no, that's, it, it's, it's, it's important that, uh, you know, cause that's your opportunity yeah, to, I... to, to really teach a lesson to a candidate and potentially teach a lesson to everybody who's listening. Because you don't get a second chance to teach that lesson to that candidate. You don't. No. You may get another chance to teach it to the members of the lodge, but they may have, they may have already tuned you out because oh, we know how he's going to do it, mm -hmm. right? So they'll tune you out. Yeah. So, so and I'll say so that. So we we've, we've talked a lot about people being mentored by by other masons, 
and there's um, we were discussing this you know, just a while ago um, in our district here. And, you know, if your lodge doesn't have somebody who's a good ritualist or somebody who imparts this meaning and that sort of stuff, well, then, you know, I, uh, nobody in my lodge does that, so I'll never learn it kind of thing. Well, uh, every lodge around here, at least, has a community college nearby or a high school drama department. Go over there and do, do lodge education and have a, a drama teacher come over to your lodge and say, you know, they don't, they don't have to know the ritual, right? They can help to help you learn to 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 act essentially the the part right you're especially you know the third degree the drama and that sort of stuff people you know people whatever chuckle or people ham it up or whatever you know and sometimes it needs to be hammed up but it's it's there are techniques that we can learn from outside of masonry it doesn't have to be one mason handing it down to another if you're if you're looking for this this knowledge it's out there you know in the real world that we can find mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's always, you know, I mean, I look, I look at it, you know, you know, vocally. Um, I draw my inspiration from, you know, from, 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 from singers who I know I can't imitate, but I, but I love how they turn a phrase. And so it's like, okay, I like that. I can, I, I, I can incorporate, I can incorporate, I can incorporate that. And, you know, and that's true. That's true in, in, in general life as well. You know, you may, you know, there may, you know, you may work for a firm that, that, doesn't that that has people that maybe can mail their way into a skill but you also know down at down the street there's somebody who really knows their stuff and so yeah. you bring them on board to help you out i'm a big fan of content experts you know if you know a content expert like for example um i do benefits marketing and i have i forged a relationship with a with a representative from the public information office of our social security administration so he's been my contact expert. He's worked with me on some of the education that I've done, you know, to that, that I get out to people. But guess what? I'm getting it because I'm sitting in the room with him. I'm getting a master class. You know, and the same thing and the same thing can apply. You can be with a performer. You can be with you can be with an instructor. And yes, you can get that. You can, you, you can get that third party, if you will, instruction that maybe your lodge doesn't have. But if there, but even if there's people who, who believe that it should only be internal, you know what you do? Go down the street to the next lodge. Because yep. if you don't have it in your lodge, you probably you could probably find it. And, you know, I mentioned in the previous one. You know, I talked again. Al Mungin, he was from he's from a lodge in in Ballard. Okay, and I'm here. I'm, I'm in my lodge in Des Moines. It's great to listen to him. You know. Uh, you know, David mentioned Horace Swin. Horace Swin lived in Federal Way. David's lodge was in is in Auburn, about twenty minutes away. There's people out there, uh, and and if you can't find them in your neck of the woods, then go to a different woods. You know, it's it's not the you know. You and shouldn't and worry mo about that. most importantly, don't be afraid to ask for them to help mentor you if you are trying to. Uh, improve yourself in ritual and improve your delivery and things like that. Uh, never be too shy to ask a, a ritualist that you admire um, for their help. You know, um, the guy I saw do the address to the brethren uh, had, he did it with such impact that I really, uh, I wanted to emulate it just like he did it. And um, it, 
for a while there, I actually didn't think to, to ask him for help because he lived an hour and a half up the valley, two hours up the valley. And I, I didn't think he'd, you know, give me the help. And um, <clears throat> then when I asked him for the help, actually, the funny thing was he, he only gave me, um, you know, piece of advice. He didn't really give me a lot of help in how to do it right? or in, in practicing it. He said, learn it, learn each word, understand what you're saying before you try to deliver it. And I think that's, I think that's a very key point, learning what you're saying. There's many times that I'll trying to learn a new piece of ritual. And I think I know what that word means, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Or I want to bring that more meaning, that deeper meaning to that word and understand. And so I'll go to dictionary and other you know, thesaurus and other, other works to try and find more answer you know, the uh, Mackey's and other, other areas to find the more, the more of the meaning, the uh, trueness behind that word, then you can bring that emphasis to it. That's right. That's right. It's that it, it makes the difference in your delivery, you know? So I got to thank right worshipable brother Barry Tarr for giving me that piece of advice because I, it's made me think about my delivery all along the whole way of a presentation or of any of the lectures. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it can be an incredible thing. If, yeah. And it's, and, it's amazing what you learn from people. I mean, even when it's, I mean, it's great when you're doing a formal, not a formal way, but uh, you ask people and they help you kind of thing. But I remember when I was master of Robert Burns, I did a degree to help out another lodge and as master and I conferred the degree and then someone else did the lecture afterwards. Very worship brother, Carrie Cope did the lecture afterwards. And he, I had started doing one of the lectures and, and he was doing the first degree lecture, which I didn't know, but he, um, all the lectures I had ever gotten and all the ones I had ever done and all I'd ever seen were the candidate sitting in a chair and the, the guy delivering the lecture, holding the pointer and pointing at the, the, the tracing board kind of thing. And, and Carrie Cope got the guy by the arm and walked him around and said, you know, and here you, you, you know, whatever you knelt and, and whatever, whatever, and walked him around the lodge and basically recreated the degree with him walking him around. And I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I never even thought of doing this. It's, it's amazing just getting out and traveling around and seeing other people do things, break you out of your, your shell and your insular yeah. way we live sometimes. Well, there was this fellow in uh, Princeton named uh, Gary Kickbush and he did that the the fellowcraft lecture the both both parts of it all combined uh, in a fashion where he he put himself in full costume had a staff and he walked the guy around and you know i mean that's a long lecture to begin with and it was even longer his version but i'll tell you, you it felt like it was done in half the time and this guy had uh, such a, a, a reputation that preceded him that people would travel a couple of hours just to come and, and hear him do it whenever he was going to do it somewhere. Um, and, and not really even hear him do it, but to see him do it because uh, it, it was done like, oh, just perfectly. And um, every candidate really got the best out of those lectures um, when they got it done through Gordon Cook, uh, Kickbush, right? So pretty amazing stuff. The, the, the really cool thing is to actually know a few of these guys in the area uh, and have uh, gotten to appreciate the, the work that they've done. 
you know, on a parallel note, you know, beyond just making sure that you do your work right, is you've got to, you've also got to control the room. And what I mean by that is you've got to make, you've got to have a clear policy. Like my lodge has a policy, no prompting. We have a no prompt rule in my lodge. I would rather somebody struggle to find a word that matches than to have six people give him the wrong word. Okay. Because what that does, that detracts from the whole experience. And that, and you know, you talk about the length of a lecture. You want to make you want to make a you want to make a you want to make any piece of ritual long. Start dealing with six or seven prompters. You know, and that's part of that ritual that you know you want to take the meaning out of the ritual. Throw in some prompters, because that'll that'll in my viewpoint that'll kill that that'll kill any performance. And I remember that there was one time that there was there was one mason who uh, there was one brother who, who attended who attended my lodge and just and, and tried to prompt me. My hand went out, and he happened to be sitting next to um, next to another brother. He goes, "They don't do that here in this lodge, so don't do that." You know, no, you know, yeah, I just, you know, that that in my view, that, that's another way they did that that that, that, that you could, you can create ritual without meeting. Because now at this point in time, once you get prompted three or four times, maybe two, three, four times by six different people, as a candidate, I don't know what to do. I'm out. Let me know. Let me know when you all figure it out and I'll come back. You know? But, you know, it's... And as, as a presenter, your your confidence wanes as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of confidence, I think that the, some of the, the idea of presentation, we talk, we're talking about learning it and developing meaning and all these kind of things, but we haven't really touched on and we don't have a lot of time here, but that what it does, th this whole idea of masonry isn't just so you can get in front of a group of guys and start talking. It's to, and Jim alluded to a little bit that it helps you in your personal life and in your work life too. I was just talking with a brother. He was recently promoted, started a new job in the last few months and or last year, this last year, and was recently promoted to a managerial role. And he went in to deliver uh, their first staff meeting and they were all shocked at how good he was. And he attributed it directly to masonry and how it all has taught him how to be a leader and how to run an agenda and have a meeting and all those kind of things. And so it was really interesting to hear him talk about that. And I've heard that many, many times. A lot of brothers would say, hey, David, I was very Masonic today. You know, if they, if they, you know, they didn't show highway one or didn't talk to uh, didn't talk down to somebody or whatever. And so it, it's, it really can manifest itself into your personal life and in your work life. It's true that, and you know, one, one, one of the word byproducts of that is Mason speak shows up. Uh, it's not unusual for me at the office, by the way, when, when, when I have an office is to say, well, I'm about to quit the sacred retreat of friendship and virtue and just walk out the door. And people go, can't you just say goodbye? I go, I just did. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but no, there, 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 is, there is something, but you know, there's really something about when you actually take the time to actually learn, learn one of our pieces of work. When it becomes part of your DNA, it really forms you. Yeah. It really does form you. You know, you talk about today I was Masonic. Yeah, that's part of that. Part of that is, yes, I've developed the confidence to get in front of people. But the other part of it is, you know, I'm teaching this person this lesson. How do I internalize it for myself? And it's a fascinating thing to... To see that, I still remember the, 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 you know, and this, Steve, you'll appreciate this one. Uh, the guy didn't know I was a Mason, okay? 
but I I was giving a presentation for for for, um, uh, for 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 a group, and a gentleman comes up to me afterwards and he says to me, "Did I just see a Demolay?" Mm-hmm. Again, it becomes part of you. Yeah, and and you and you and you don't know you're showing that, but it's just so ingrained in how you present yourself, how even to the even to some of the vocabulary that you use. Because let's be honest, we use we use some we use some really good vocabulary, okay. <laughs> and when people hear when people hear that, um, even if they don't know in your real, if they don't know that you're that you're a mason or a Dimle or whatever. They know that there's something different about you. Yeah. And that's kind of, and that's cool too. And it's even beyond, I, we talked a lot about the ritual and presenting the ritual and how to deliver the ritual and how the delivering the ritual improves your speaking ability and that sort of stuff. But the whole point of the ritual is to impart lessons, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you were saying earlier, Jim, if you're, if you're, your candidate is tuned out, they're not learning the lesson that we're supposed to be imparting to them. We're, we're supposed to be dispensing light and wisdom. And if, if they're not paying attention, then they're not receiving your dispensation. And again, that's that's why you that's why that's why you as the, you as a you as a ritualist have got to do you you've got to do your part. It can't ju- it can't just be parroting. Okay, I know that we're running running up against the clock here. It can't be parroting. You have to you have to make it your own. You you have you and so that way you can because and I'll bring him back again. You don't know if you're talking to the next Dan Boren, the guy who's going to be so inspired that he's going to learn this. He's going to learn this posting lecture and learn that lecture because guess what? You made it happen. Yep. And on that note, uh, on behalf of myself and worship brother David and worship brother Steve, uh, thank you very much, most worship floor, for for coming on board our our humble podcast and. Uh, we, we thank all of you for tuning in on to this discussion of overcoming the, the first of the seven blunders, uh, Ritual Without Meaning. And our next episode should be about <laughs> fellowship without frivolity and overcoming that blunder in, in the series. So we encourage you to tune into that. And again, Most Worship Brother Jim, thank you. Thank you. And we look forward to the you know, next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>